For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Jack. Sports Jack. It's Sports Jack. And away we go with episode 250 of the Sports Yak Podcast. You mean the Bo Jackson episode? Bo Jackson, World Nelly. People, let me tell you about Bo Jackson. Perhaps the greatest two-sport athlete of our generation, with all respect to guys like Danny Ainge and Deion Sanders. Bo Jackson, just a terrific football player electric baseball player if you've never seen his highlights oh my goodness go on to youtube give yourself about five or six minutes and just enjoy and bo jackson no he didn't have 250 career home runs he was a career 250 hitter which by most baseball standards isn't much but when you consider that a good portion of his career he was also playing in the nfl Tip of the cap to Bo Jackson. I'm trying to remember, Chuck, was there a time when he played both sports in one day? Did that happen? No, that was Deion Sanders. Deion actually did that. Deion, Bo did not. Yes. Okay. Do you remember what that was? Was it baseball he, first, then football? No, football? he played a football game in the afternoon, helicoptered in for either a playoff or World Series game <laughs> in the evening. Who did he play for? Uh, Dion at that time was playing for the Falcons and the Braves. And the Braves. Yeah. Okay. And Bo played for? Bo played for the Raiders in his football career. Most of his baseball career was with the Royals, but he ended up with the White Sox for a while. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Family Broadcasting Corporation. Well, the crowd's going wild. In association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network, presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. It's all the way! It is! It's good! It's good! Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer. This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever! Well, let's get underway with the Friday episode. We have a special guest a little bit later in the podcast, but we will start with high school. I'm sure that's... On your mind since you're broadcasting a game tonight. Uh, yeah, we're going to be down at the Rock Pile in Plymouth for New Prairie in Plymouth as the sectional gets underway. This is Class 4A football tonight. New Prairie 5 and 4 in Casey McKim's first season. They've gone to more of a running attack in the second half of the season with the combo of uh, Noah Mungia and Bobby Seifert. Mungia has been in quarantine the last two weeks, but he's got over 1,100 yards for the season. Seifert still managed over 100 against Elkhart last week. I'm just going to give you a hint. There will be a different look this week to the Cougars. Yeah. And that's all I got to say about that. All right, a different look. Uh, they face a Plymouth team that had 
finally cracked the win column against Wawasee. They lose their first five games, although they were playing a dynamite schedule. They played the likes of East Noble, ranked team in 4A. Then they played their opening three games in the conference were Warsaw, Northridge, and Mishawaka. Well, those are probably the three teams that really competed for the conference title this year. So it was a tough schedule for John Barron's team. They finally cracked the win column against Wawasee, and then John Barron comes down with a case of COVID, a symptomatic case of COVID that winds up landing him in the hospital. So his team has not played football in four weeks. What we're going to see from them, who knows? The one thing we do know is we'll see Jake Reichard touch the football a lot. He's number seven. He is their leading rusher, their leading passer, and their second leading receiver. They will find ways to put the ball into the hands of Jake Reichard. The question I have about Plymouth in this game is can they handle the size and physicality of New Prairie? So that's our 46th game of the week. We've got it for you live on Facebook, YouTube, and the Champions Network at 715. TV 46 tonight, 11 tomorrow morning at 9. Follow-up question about a new look. Will it be easy to spot, or am I going to really have to lean in and watch? We'll explain it to you. Oh, yeah? We'll explain it to you. <laughs> okay. Don't worry. But, yes, it'll be fairly easy to spot. Explain it to yeah. him. What else is on the docket tonight? Well, also in 4A, Logansport at Riley. Pair of three and six teams squaring off at Jackson Field. Logansport could easily be above 500 with a break here and there. They've got a solid running game with their running backs, Gavin Barron, Alberto Matias. Showed their stuff in a win over Anderson last week. Riley, three and six. They lost their first three, won their next three, lost their last three. Chris Krause has had a good year running the football, but that offense has been inconsistent. They've got to bring their A game tonight in order to beat the Berries. Let's look at the headliner, though, in 4A is over in Middlebury at Interra Field. You've got Leo, who's ranked number five in Class 4A, taking on Northridge, who's ranked number 10 in 4A. Leo is 8-1. and one. Their only loss came to a Mooresville team. But they have posted five shutouts defensively. Northridge has posted four shutouts defensively. So points are going to be at a premium. I like the Northridge offense with Logan Hooley at the controls, Dom Crowder at the running back, good physical offensive line. They're going to have to be that way. The teams they've had problems with are the option teams, Warsaw and Mishawaka, who've given everybody fits. I think they match up a little bit better with this Leo team. And if Northridge wins, it likely sets up a game with Northwood last week. Panthers have Wawasee tonight. 3A, I think the big game in the area there is Washington at Tippecanoe Valley. Washington getting some love in the media this week from our boy Tom Noy. South Bend Tribune had a nice article on him. Panthers are 3-6 and six going into that one, but they looked good last week against John Glenn. Jeremy Johnson, their quarterback. Ran for 137 yards through a couple of touchdowns. He's got Tyshawn Grundy to run the ball with him, too. Valley had another nice year. Uh, they have a very balanced offense. Brandon McBriar's thrown 14 touchdown passes. Jamison Virgil over 700 yards rushing. Good matchup down in what they call Death Valley. You know it better as the A capital of the Midwest. Central Noble at Fairfield. They played back in September. Fairfield won 32-6. I think a similar result tonight. Matt Thacker's team ran the table in the regular season. No reason to think they can't win this one. And in 1A, do we reach down? Well, the podcast reaches everywhere. So Winnemac at South Central. John Hendricks has done a really good job with the Warriors in year one. He's got a couple of juniors he relies on offensively. 
Russell Compton and Hayden Clark, but they've really done it with defense. Four-game winning streak, they've given up a total of 29 points. They face a South Central team that has a pretty dynamic offense. Brady Gilsick is their quarterback. He's a dual threat. Brendan Carr is a playmaker receiver, so should be a fun one down in Union Mills tonight. I know on your mind, Corey, you say, well, what about Michigan? You're a Michigander at heart, and you say, what Pause about button, Michigan? though, before Michigan. Only because I, I think I saw this on a tweet of yours. You had brought up, is it uh, South? South Central is the satellites. Uh, Southwood? Southwood. Oh, I'm glad you did bring that up. Yeah, because, I thought, because we talked about that, right? Yes. And uh, apparently they went through a battery of COVID tests, found that the players were negative, and so they have been allowed to return to the field tonight, and they will play Northfield in their opening sectional game. So the number three team in the state, undefeated, looked like they weren't going to be able to participate in the tournament That's because right. of a COVID outbreak in the school. Uh, somehow, all the players ma- managed to get tested. That's the beauty of being in a small town. Well, sometimes you got to <laughs> find a way. That's the beauty of being in a small town. Uh, everybody was able to get tested, and they're negative, and so they're allowed to be on the field and play tonight, and I say Good on them. Yeah, good news. Now let's head to Michigan. The 103rd meeting of Doajak and Niles as they square off tonight in the city of Four Flags. Neither team having a great season, but just the history of this rivalry. Uh, they they had to cancel the JV game. I'm not exactly sure why, but the Niles coach, Joe Sassano, said, all right, all you JV kids, you're dressing tonight. Last game of the season, let's go. And so they'll get to participate in that rivalry, which I hear is going away uh, because of Dwajak joining a different conference next year. Meanwhile, also in Michigan, you've got Buchanan, Brandywine. Buchanan has a perfect season on the line. They've got a great story in Connor Legault. Remember I told you about Cam Wiltfong, the quarterback at Elkhart, who was on the bench for game one, came in because of an injury, and he's guided that team to a perfect season so yes. far. Connor Legault is the Cam Wiltfong of Michigan. He was on the bench for game one. Starter went down with an injury. Connor Legault came in off the bench, rallied his team to a win, and Buchanan has ran the table since then. And so they take on a Brandywine team that's smarting coming off a loss to Marion Springs last week, but they've got a nice running attack. That should be a fun one also in the city of Four Flags. And then... We've got Edwardsburg. That steamroller takes on Pawpaw, the Wolverine Conference title at stake. Are you going to bet against the Eddies at Leo Hoffman Field? I don't think so. <laughs> so I would, no. ta- I would take Edwardsburg in that one. Hey, in all the high school games that you've attended, I don't know if you get a chance to get a lay of the land before the game starts. I don't know that I've ever seen more team paraphernalia than an Edwardsburg game on sale. Oh, yeah. Like the the tables and the volunteers and the shirts and the things. I would say Elkhart this year is similar because of the new school and they're yes. trying to garb everybody in brand. Elkhart gear. But, uh, yeah, for an established one. Now, remember when, when you and I were up at Edwardsburg last year for that game. Yes. They were coming off a state championship. So they were selling all that stuff. There's you know, all that. Gear. We're the champs. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. That makes a little more sense. But still, 
lot of stuff, right? A lot of stuff. <laughs> well, let's segue into college football. Of course, Big Ten kicks off uh, this weekend. More on that. Oh, I said more on. I'm, I'm trying to yes, break that down. But let's talk about Notre Dame, though. Let's talk about Notre Dame because I think this is a difficult road game for the Irish tomorrow at Pittsburgh. 3.30 kickoff on ABC, by the way. First of all, you have to remember this is the first road game of the year for the Irish. And they do have some young players who have not been on the road before, so that'll be a different experience for them. Secondly, the whole COVID thing. Although I think they've got a pretty good handle on this and how they're going to do things. Um, I'm not as worried about that or concerned about that as some others. But then again, it's not my football team that I have to coach and, and be responsible for the young men that are on it. From a football standpoint, here's the thing. Pitt has the number one rushing defense in the country. Notre Dame has this vaunted rushing attack. So something has to give there. Now, I do think the Notre Dame offensive line will eventually wear down Pitt. However, they've got to get some productivity out of this passing game tomorrow. And it's not all Ian Book's fault, as we discussed the other day. They've got to do some more things of running seam routes with the tight ends, getting the ball out to wide receivers. Those wide receivers have to find ways to get separation. And Pitt's safeties are really good. This might be the best safety duo that Notre Dame goes up against this year. So what I'm saying is expect a low-scoring game, and because it's a low-scoring game, that favors a team like Pitt that's looking for the upset. If you're the gambling type, the spread on this game has already dropped from Notre Dame an 11-point favorite to Notre Dame a 9.5-point favorite. So that shows me a lot of people don't have that. They think Notre Dame's going to win, but they understand it's going to be a tight game. Let me give you one more reason it'll be a tight game. Brian Kelly is 5-1 and one against Pitt as the Notre Dame head coach. But four of those five wins have been by six points or less. Can I ask a follow-up question about separation? Yeah. Is that a speed answer or is that a uh, talent in spinning and juke moves and whatever kind it's, of answer? It's a speed. It's a way you run your routes. Mm-hmm. It's techniques. It's all of the above. It's all of that. Yes. Okay. So you don't have to be a fast receiver to get separation. Chris Fink was able to get separation. He's not a speed receiver. Uh, you see this all the time. You, um, Clemson, I remember they had a walk-on receiver. I think his name was Hunter Renfro. He was always open, and nobody really knew why because he wasn't that fast and he wasn't big, but his techniques were so good that he was able to get open. Okay, You can get open and not be the fastest, biggest, strongest guy. Right now, Notre Dame's not doing that. Maybe they will. Is that an afternoon game, Chuck? 3.30 on ABC. Okay. Then you've got the Big Ten starting up. So, Indiana on 103.1 FM tomorrow at 3.30 takes on Penn State. Rough way to start the season for the Hoosiers having to face the eighth-ranked team in the country. Michael Penix back at quarterback for IU. I think IU can do some good things on offense. I still worry about Tom Allen's defense, especially against a team like Penn State. 
Michigan opens up at Minnesota. That's a Saturday night game on ABC, I believe. And we'll see what Jim Harbaugh is able to get out of his team. He goes up against a Minnesota squad that has some dynamic receivers. Golden Gophers under P.J. Fleck have been able to put some points on the board. We'll see that if they can row the boat to an upset. Michigan State has Rutgers. Mel Tucker should get the game ball for his first victory as the Spartan head coach because Rutgers is god-awful. <laughs> hey, don't hold back on this podcast. <laughs> All right. They're not... They're not good. Thank you. And then we've got the saga of Purdue football. And, Corey, why don't you introduce our guest? Tim Newton's been at Purdue University since 1989. He's the director of external relations and communications. Also, you'll hear Tim's voice, Purdue women's basketball and Purdue football this Saturday. Cardboard cutouts instead of students. A sidelined head coach. Welcome to the pandemic season, Tim Newton. If it were anything normal, it wouldn't be normal. So yeah, welcome to 2020. This is this is our reality, and we're kind of embracing it right now. Embrace the weirdness. Well, plenty of weirdness to be embraced. Uh, your head coach, Jeff Brom, on the sidelines with COVID. So how do the coaching duties get delineated this weekend? Well, Brian Brom, his brother, who is the quarterback's coach and the co-offensive coordinator, will be the acting head coach. So when it comes to game time decisions, uh, he'll he'll have to make those. He'll also be calling the plays. I know that Jeff has uh, and the Purdue uh, Athletic Department have appealed to the NCAA to see if it's possible for Jeff to have phone communication. I would expect and I think they are expecting that request to be denied uh, I think their their only concern is and it's to make sure that any coach in the Big Ten who makes that request in the future also has that request denied. So to make sure it's a it's a level playing field. But uh, Brian will be down on the field. He'll be calling the plays. And other than that, it's uh, they're going to try to make it as much business as usual. Other than the fact that we're going to have a completely empty stadium. And don't you think with 2020, it's ridiculous to deny these kind of requests because we've got the technology where it can happen very simply. Yeah, you know, I th the fear, I can tell you the, on the other side, the fear is that just like if, you know, we went through the whole garbage can thing with the Houston Astros, that you would use technology and somehow that Jeff would have an advantage watching the game or seeing on TV, maybe stealing signals from the, the opposing sideline. You would like to think that some common sense would prevail, but again, I'm not really optimistic that that's going to happen. So I think Jeff is going to be able to coach right up until 2.30 on or 3.30 Eastern time on Saturday, and then he's going to have to kind of let his minions handle the show from there. And as big a question as the coaching situation, what about the quarterback situation? Do you have any insight? Who gets the nod Saturday for the Boilermakers? Well, I was hoping you guys would tell me today. Exactly. Uh, that's actually, you know, that's actually one of the best kept secrets right now in West Lafayette. And normally we have access, or at least I have access to practice, but that has not been the case and it won't be the case in 2020. And I will tell you, they are keeping that as close to the vest as possible. Uh, they made all the quarterbacks off limits to the media this week so that nobody's spilling out any secrets. And I honestly don't even have a guess as to which of the three it will be. It's uh, Aiden O'Connell, Jack Plummer, and Austin Burton, who's a transfer from UCLA. I think any of them are capable of playing. Uh, the gist that I got from Jeff and, and a little bit from Brian was that one guy did separate himself in camp, but they're not telling us yet which one that is. 
We uh, talked about this on a previous podcast, Tim. A lot of media outlets, some of their announcers are in a completely different state in front of a monitor. Some get to be at the game. What's your situation for Saturday? What do you get to do? Well, for, for the home games, we'll be in our regular booth in ross Aid Stadium. Now, the, the protocol is going to be different. We have to be masked at all times except when we're in the booth and on the air. Uh, we'll be going in. We'll get temperature checks on the way in. Um, we actually, we're, we, we have to be pre-screened before we head in. So the home games will be pretty similar. I believe they may have put some plexiglass up in the booth between us, but I haven't been in the booth yet, so I'm not sure what that deal is. Uh, as far as I understand with the road games, we are going to travel, but it looks like we're traveling on our own. Typically, we would, especially when we fly, we would fly with the team. That's not going to be the case this year. So if you look at our four road games, you have Illinois, which for me is an hour and a half drive from here. You have uh, Indiana, which is a two hour drive for me. And you have Wisconsin, which is about a four hour drive. So I plan on getting in a car and just going up, doing those games and, and coming back. Uh, Minnesota will be a little bit more of a challenge. That's a Friday night game, uh, and that's about an eight to nine hour drive from from where I live. But I, it looks like again we'll be hopping in the car, good old fashioned uh, leg work, road work, and and getting up there. And um, so I think the the protocols at the, each stadium will be different. Uh, we've already gotten, the, for instance, the instructions from Illinois and. Um, it involves, again, you have to have your temperature check going in. They're recommending that you have COVID tests before you go. But as of right now, we're planning on being on site at all the games this year. Now, that, again, is subject to change. And uh, we're talking, too, about looking ahead toward basketball. And we're not sure uh, we're going to be traveling with basketball this year. So it's, it's, uh, it's a fluid situation that seems to change on a daily basis. It is a challenge. I would definitely want some plexiglass between myself and Pete Quinn if I were you. You know, I've asked for actually for an entire telephone booth to be installed around both of us, but I'm not sure that's going to work. You know, Pete, Pete's uh, he's an interesting guy. I I will tell you, too, that starting this year, uh, they have installed and I just found this out yesterday. They have installed cameras now in our radio booth. So there will be a feed, apparently, where people can watch us broadcast the game. Uh, Or I don't know if they're going to have a a whole live stream of that or if it's going to be selected highlights. Um, it, 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 all I can say is stay tuned during the commercials because you may see and hear things that, that would be more interesting than, you'll, than what you'll see otherwise. That's like most broadcast booths. Hey, let's talk a little bit about the football team. No matter who your quarterback is, man, do they have some targets to throw to, especially when you've got Rondale Moore back and healthy to go with David Bell. Yeah, as good a a duo as you'll see in the Big Ten, and certainly different skill sets. Rondale Moore is a human joystick, but he is also a guy that can run you over if he wants to. And David Bell is as good a one-on-one pass catcher as I've seen in terms of if you throw the ball up anywhere near him, chances are he's going to go get it. Um, But you've got also guys like Milton Wright and Ahmaud Anderson, and they're really excited about their uh, freshmen that are coming in. I think they've got four guys that are going to contribute, if not right away, then then certainly uh, very well throughout their careers. Payne Durham, who is actually going to be a captain the first week, and, and that was announced yesterday, by the way, that uh, they're not going with season-long captains this year. They're going to do captains on a game-by-game basis, and then at the end of the season, they will select what they consider the Tyler Trent captains based on how the season went. But Payne Durham, a sophomore, a guy that uh, didn't play football until he was a senior in high school. He was a lacrosse player down in Georgia and took up football as a senior. 
got a scholarship offer at Purdue and made the most of it and uh, has, has turned out to be a real leader on the team. And he's going to be a target, especially when we get into the red zone. And then I think uh, we're excited, too, about the running back situation. We saw Xander Horvath, who's from Mishawaka, have a great bucket game against Indiana. I think he came on at the end of the season. And between he and King DeRue, I think they provide a great one-two punch with a little bit different styles, each of them. So, yeah, back to your original thought, a lot of toys in the toy box. Uh, the only problem is you've only got one football, so you got to try to keep all those guys happy. If only Xander would get into the weight room a little bit more. Boy, that would really help him out. Defensively, he's got, he's got muscles on his muscle. He's got muscles at places I didn't know you had muscles. That dude is jacked, I'll tell you. I, I fear shaking hands with him. He might cripple me. Uh, defensively, how do the Boilermakers look? Well, I think George Karloftis has the chance to be not only an All-Big Ten player, but an All-American before he leaves here. He's, he's, he's the anchor of that defensive line. Uh, Lorenzo Neal is back after missing all of 2019 with an injury, so he's going to be back anchoring the middle of that defense. Derek Barnes has been moved from defensive end to inside linebacker. Uh, you're going to see a little bit of 4-3. You're going to see a little bit of 3-4. They're going to try to vary the defenses. I think they're going to try to bring a lot more pressure than they have in the past. And I think the back half of the secondary is, is very good. Uh, actually, the back half of the defense, the secondary, I think, is very solid. Uh, Cam Allen, I thought, had a terrific year last year at safety. Brennan Thieneman comes back. Simeon Smiley, Corey Trice. You've got a lot of guys back there with experience. Uh, they're bringing in a transfer, ironically, from Iowa for this first game. DJ Johnson uh, will be in the rotation. And Giovante Howard is a junior college player that's going to play cornerback that I know they're excited about. The, the, the two things I think to watch for Purdue's defense are, number one, can they stop giving up the big play? And we saw that was a big problem last year. And second, can they get off the field on third down? Uh, we There were so many times last year Purdue would have a team in third and 10, third and 12, and would give up a play to keep a drive alive. So uh, part of that, I think, is trying to get more pressure, maybe get more pressure on the quarterback, get more sacks, get more interceptions try to disrupt drives that way. But if they can do those two things, cut down the number of big plays and do a better job on third down, I think it has a chance to be a pretty productive defense. And it does help to have a weapon at kicker like J.D. Dellinger, who I think has been there since the Joe Tiller era, hasn't he? Yeah, J.D. is a – he's <laughs> now I work in the Cranert schools, and he's a Cranert school student. He's a management student, very bright kid. He's a, he's a finance major. Uh, and, you know, he's a kid that really transformed himself he was in a neck and neck battle. He could never separate himself from Spencer Evans. And if you remember back a couple of years ago, those two guys alternated kicks, kickoffs, punts, all that kind of stuff. Uh, or, I'm sorry, kickoffs and, and, and field goal attempts. Uh, he separated himself. And last year, I thought he was terrific. And I think the biggest improvement he made last year was in his kickoffs. I'm just looking at my numbers now. Out of uh, 59 kickoffs last year, he had 40 touchbacks. So almost about two out of every three kicks were touchbacks. And, you know, if you can force a team to drive 75 yards every time they have the football, you've got a pretty good chance to succeed. So uh, J.D. Dellinger is a real weapon, and he showed uh, kicking a field goal at the end of the Northwestern game to win that one that he can hit that clutch field goal with the game on the line. Absolutely. Well, I can tell you from the weekends that we've had in South Bend, it's going to be weird, Tim. You're, you're going to get to the stadium and wonder – where is everybody? But I hope that once the kickoff starts, it becomes somewhat normal for you. Yeah, you know, I've tried to uh, tried to go back to past experiences, and I've, I, you know, I grew up in in a rural area in in Western New York, and we were a small school, and 
we had small attendance at, at some of our football games. So uh, it, it's going to be different. And I think it'll be more different for me going on the road. Sure. You go up to a place like Wisconsin where you're used to when they do jump around, the press box sways and you hang on and hope that the structural engineers have made it safe for another year. You're going to go up there this year and it's going to be an empty stadium. And And I think the teams that can generate their own excitement and really learn to thrive in this environment uh, are going to be the teams that succeed. But, you know, you look at, I look at baseball and, and hockey and, and basketball, the competition in those sports, especially when you're looking at the playoffs has been incredibly intense. And I think for the players, once the games begin, everything else kind of goes away. And uh, I heard one of the players yesterday saying, you know, the only time I hear the fans are when I'm on the sideline. I never pay attention to them. I don't hear them. I don't see them when I'm on the field. So I, you know, once the game starts, once the whistle blows for them, it's going to be, I think a more normal experience, but for us, yeah, it's going to be a little different when Rondale Moore or David Bell scores a long touchdown and the stadium's empty and quiet. So that's, that's going to be a little bit different situation. Well, we look forward to your broadcast on 92.1 and 96.9. It's Purdue and Iowa kickoff at 3.30, pregame at 2.30 on Pulse FM. Tim, thank you very much. Appreciate the time. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Stay healthy, stay happy, and uh, enjoy what's coming uh, ahead, okay? Well, I will tell you, because I had the coaches show last week with Brom, I had to get a COVID test oh, on Monday. And I just I didn't find out until 4 o'clock yesterday that I was negative and I was cleared to work this weekend. So wow. it's been a long week. Yeah. Oh, thank God. Who would have yeah. filled yeah. in? Rob Blackman? Yes, yeah, okay. he would have slid over, and we would have uh, we had we everything was ready to go, but thankfully we didn't have to go to Plan B. Great. Well, stay healthy, Tim. And if you see a, a spindly looking freshman named TJ running around, that's my kid. <laughs> All right. All right. On the wear it, keep his mask on, and stay out of trouble. Exactly. Well, believe me, that's every conversation we have with him. I understand. All right. Thanks, Thanks guys. Thanks, Tim. Bye bye. So we thought because Purdue is on ninety two one and ninety six nine, we'd give you a little more of an in-depth scouting report on the Boilermakers, and we appreciate Tim taking the time to be with us. I, it's just going to be a a weird scene for these guys like Tim Newton and Don Fisher who haven't done a game this year. <clears throat> when you walk into that stadium for the first time and it's such a different atmosphere outside the stadium, inside the stadium, it's going to be different for these guys, and it's going to be different for these players. That's why I think these opening games in the Big Ten are all kind of upset specials because you just don't know how teams are going to react. My big takeaway is, hey, you're going to call the game, but you're on your own getting there. Yeah, I found that. It's like, yeah. don't tell me I'm driving yeah. eight hours. Yeah. I'll fly. That, that, well, <laughs> Not with I, the team, but I I'll would fly. hope that they would be you know, compensated. Yeah. I would hope they wouldn't be treated like some... The other stuff was kind of easy. The Indiana drive, oh, yeah. the Illinois drive. Sure. But the, the Minnesota thing, it's like, come on, or Wisconsin, put yeah, him on Minnesota, a plane, yeah. come on. He's a teacher for crying out loud. Exactly. Yeah. But anyways, thanks to Tim Newton for giving us a few extra minutes today. Now we come to the segment of the show that's just gaining in popularity. It, it really it's is. Soaring. It's trending. And it's called Overrated, Underrated. And I've got... I've got three for you today. I don't know if you have any for me. I do not. Okay. Uh, I can. I've. I was toying with one this morning. Let's see. Let's see the vibe. All right. Actually, I have four because I added one this morning. Okay. Okay. 
Let's start uh, in the 90s and early 2000s. Green Day, overrated, underrated. Oh, wow, 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 wow. Super popular. Then they kind of fizzled. Then they come back again because I think they got in a window of another age group of people. Yes. Um, kind of skewed younger with their later stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I have a pair of tickets in our cupboard to go see them at Wrigley next August. Really? From a canceled Wrigley this year. Yes. First time seeing them. My wife loves Green Day. I would so now say, you have to tread lightly on this just in case Debbie would ever listen to the podcast. You know what? You know what you get with them. I mean, they've matured, but you still get the great three-minute catchy song. I would say underrated. I would agree with you. I would say at the beginning of their career, they were overrated. And then, and I'm not, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm not a fan of their politics, but whatever. That's the case for a lot of artists, and I still listen to them. I think right. you can... I think you need to mentally separate the two sometimes and appreciate mm-hmm. an artist's craft. But I thought American Idiot was a, a a terrific album, and the fact that they've been able to make it into a musical and it had a nice run on Broadway. Yes. Uh, I, I'll give them underrated. Yeah. American Idiot and then the album after that, too, is is pretty decent. Let me give you a group that was heavily influenced by Green Day. Weezer. Overrated. <laughs> and Weezer's opening up for Green Day at that show. <laughs> yeah, and Weezer performed during the Winter Classic. Yeah. and That's an acquired taste. I think that's one of those 90s... Weezer would be a great cover band. Yeah. You know... They I actually, could... their last record was a full cover record. And that's what they should be doing. Yeah. Because just... It does. It doesn't move the needle for me. No, I, nice talents and everything like that, but nah. Yeah, sorry, Weezer, you're overrated. I'm gonna switch to sports. Are you ready? Yeah. Anthony Rizzo. How long has he been in the league now? Oh well, he started with the Padres. He has been with the Cubs now since 2013. So seven years, eight years, eight, yeah. Got a World Series ring. Mm-hmm. Kind of the uh, the anchor of the team. A lot would say like he's uh, people follow his lead. I would say he's the the cap the de facto captain. If he doesn't have a C on his jersey, he should. Uh, underrated. I I would agree primarily for off the field contributions. And I'm talking specifically to the team. The the work that he does with cancer patients and things like that, you have to separate that from baseball. That is all laudable and good, and he's he's a good dude by all accounts. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, I think he had a really down year last year. Uh, I do wonder how much he's going to come back. He tried to reform his body. And he started out great, and then like every other Cub, it was contagious. It wasn't COVID. It was bad hitting, and it went through the ball club. So from an offensive standpoint, though, I think he's been a a terrific producer. 
He does a lot of different things to spark that team. I think he is uh, the leader of that squad, and for what he does off the field for that team, I will go with Rizzo underrated. Is he one of these guys that will st- still stick around, or is there going to be a massive uh, I think he exodus? Sta- I think he stays. Okay. I don't think – I think he is the one Cub. I'll say two. I think he and Javi both stay right now. I think those two are the faces of the franchise. And I hear some of you saying, what about Wilson? What about Chris Bryant? And we've kind of had this discussion before on the show. I think um, Bryant is expendable. Wilson, defensively, he helps you a lot. There's no question about that. Offensively, he has not produced as they would hope that he would. We'll see. Okay. Uh, but that organization right now is is in a lot of turmoil. They have, uh, they have either furloughed or fired 100 people within the organization. Hmm. So... And I don't know if you heard this or not, but Hulu Live TV is dropping Marquee Network. Oh, yeah. So after that, what six months? That was a short marriage. Queeby and uh, and uh, Marquee Network. Yeah, that was like a uh, that was like a Dennis Rodman marriage right there. That just <laughs> hey, come on now. Um, so one more to throw at you. All right, let me. Uh, I'll sandwich. Oh, please. I'll sandwich someone in here, and then you'll get the final say. Yeah. Uh, birthday boy today. He's 61. Overrated or underrated? Weird Al Yankovic. Um, he's such a niche artist. I mean, there's nobody like him. I, I'm not trying to make a cop out here. My initial reaction, my gut reaction is overrated. Because when was the last time that he really churned something out that anybody listened to? Now, like you said, he's 61. He's kind of past his prime, and he's got a body of work that stands up very, very well. But I don't think he's underrated. I don't think you sit there. I I guess you could make the case for underrated and saying, well, there's nobody like him that has come along either. There's... There's nobody churning out weird Al type of stuff. Now, is that because our culture has changed and that we have a different society now where if you made a weird Al song, 50% of the nation, no matter what side they were on, would come at you with pitchforks and torches? Yeah. I, I Heavily think, offensive. I, I think that's part of it. Yeah. I really do. But uh, the I Lost on Jeopardy, Greg Kinband parody is classic. Yes. That's that's a beauty. And Eat It, uh, that's another one. He had a great shtick going. I, I'm going to go right down the line. I'm going to say he's neither overrated nor underrated. He has actually put out two halfway decent songs during pandemic, but you and I don't listen to Weird Al or have access to him like we did when we were younger. Right. Does that yeah. make sense? Yes, you know, the, the late Sunday nights of Dr. Demento. Did you ever go down that uh, pathway? A little bit. Yeah. I, of course, drank from the fire hose. But you look at body of work, like go to his website. The amount of music videos that guy's made oh, yeah. in his career, because there's always some sort of almost a sight gag to go with every song. And But you're right. Who, there's 
Somebody had to have looked at him and went, wow, the amount of album sales that guy has, we need another Weird Al. But they've never done it. No. They've never had that guy. I say underrated. Okay. And by the way, phenomenal live show. Phenomenal. Well, I, I think he's he's very funny man. He's very funny. He's a, Stellar band. Yeah. Stellar band. Uh, costume changes every song. It, it's hilarious. Hilarious stuff. He signed a toy accordion for me one time. Really? Yeah, actually signed two of them. When, mm-hmm. when did you have your brush with Weird Al? He came to the Morris. Okay. And Debbie and I went. This would have been to I was at the other place so somewhere in the ballpark of 97 to 02 somewhere in there and you used your radio privileges to oh yeah 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 oh yeah oh yeah you're not above that mm-hmm. no 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 uh the last one overrated underrated here we go the last one and you better know the correct answer on this <laughs> or else hall and oats Underrated. Of course they're underrated. Underrated. Now, I would go so far as to say Oates, underrated. (laughs) Hall, slightly overrated. But the combo together. And the only reason I thought of that was because Oates was hosting one of these guest DJ things I heard on the way in today. And it was just Oates. Oh, man. I would have loved to have heard that. I've interviewed Daryl Hall. I've met them. Uh, and he's still cranking out they content, are. and they're decent. Yeah, yeah, under totally underrated. And and I, I've told the story before, but as you say on the podcast, there is there are no rules. When John McLeod was the head basketball coach at the University of Notre Dame, and I think Corey was at the station at at the time. I don't know if you were there for this particular show. Probably not. Yeah, but John came in as he would do every year. Digger used to do this too. They would come in. We were hosting a sports talk show at the time, and they would come in and do an hour before the season started. Live calls. Live calls the whole bit. So very gracious of them. And John comes in, and it may have been his first time over, so uh, we're giving him a little bit of the station tour because we had the TV station downstairs, the radio station upstairs, some other things. So he's coming through, and, and there were two radio stations there. And uh, there was a country station and a top 40 station. And so John's asking, well, what kind of music do you all play? And, and you got to remember, John, John McLeod hails from New Albany, Indiana. So he's got just that little bit of a southern tinge in his voice. And he had the breathy uh, John <laughs> McLeod talk up here. Sweater vest that night? Uh, I'm sure he had on the vest from Redwood and Ross because <laughs> why wouldn't you? And always impeccably dressed. A wonderfully nice man. However you feel about him as a basketball coach, John McLeod was one of the nicest people you were ever going to meet. So he's coming through and he goes, what kind of music do you play here? Well, it's a top 40 station coach. Oh, I love me some Hall and Oats. <laughs> and Ever since then, <laughs> I cannot hear the song Man Eater from Hall & Oates <laughs> without hearing it in John McLeod's voice. Any song from Hall yeah, & Oates. But, but not, not She's Gone. No, <laughs> I, I don't hear that in John McLeod's voice. But when I hear Man Eater, I hear she always comes out at night.
the lean and hungry tide. Oh, haul and oats. Oats? Oats, underrated, haul, slightly <laughs> overrated. Combined, still underrated. That's your Friday episode, episode 250. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. You can leave a review. That's always very helpful. Chuck, you're on Twitter, right? I am at 46 Sports. You are, too. I am at My Name is Corey, plus, of course, the Sports Yak Twitter with two Ks. Until next time, folks. Oogalooga, Bo Jackson. Oh, Bo Jackson. Oh, Nelly. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sports Yak. Sports Yak. Sports Yak is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.